How many pizza places do you see in your neighborhood? A lot of pizza places, a lot of pizza businesses. There's so many franchisors of pizza. You know why? Because it's a $50 billion industry. That's a quarter, though, of restoration, right? And so restoration is a massive industry, of course, of lots of businesses. When I got into this space, a lot of people said to me, well, there's a lot of franchisors in that space. And my answer was, yes, that's great. Absolutely. Even if the franchisor system-wide revenue is $1 billion, which is a great milestone for a large organization such as, you know, Paul Davis or Surfpro, which are great companies. And I highly recommend them for people that want to get into a, you know, a different, uh, not an emerging brand. We'll get to the pros and cons of emerging versus not in a moment. But billion dollars is, I don't know the percentage, but it's, you know, basis points of a percent of $200 billion space. And so I had said, like, look, we're not attacking. Those businesses are great. Surfpro, go to Surfpro over us. That's fine. We're going in, though, to disrupt the fragmented industry. We're going in to go after the, the mom and, no offense to the mom and pops here, but the mom and pops that are unsophisticated a lot of times. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Today is a little bit of a special episode. Normally, Dan and I are on here interviewing other entrepreneurs, other franchise professionals. But today, we invited our buddy Aaron Harper on with Rolling Suds to interview Dan Claps about the new brand that he just launched, which we're super, super excited about, the new franchise uh, under the, the Playbook banner. Uh, so really excited to dive into that. First of all, let's uh, welcome... Uh, well, let me welcome my co-host for the day, Aaron Harper. What's up, man? Hey, hey Christian. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad we uh, decided to flip the script a little bit. And I'm excited to uh, be a, uh, a, a, a a special guest co-host. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Super awesome. And then I guess we'll uh, we'll introduce our guest here today. And, you know, normally, Dan, we don't do the bios for you, so we'll let you do your own bio. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for, obviously, Dan is the co-host of the Franchise Founders Podcast normally, but today we're, we're going to let Dan talk about his awesome brand. Dan, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys, for having me on. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and uh, I, listen, <laughs> I listen every week. Um, and it's very refreshing being on this side of the uh, of the of the table. Right on, man. Well, super excited to have you, obviously. So let's just get right into it. I mean, I think most people kind of know your background. If you want to share anything, feel free to. But or we could just dive right into the brand. You know, I've gotten good at this because I just did a, a speed networking type thing with some some people yesterday, so I can tell you my background in uh, under a minute. Uh, you know, I got into franchising in 2014. I originally had a business in college in the staffing space, small small business. Tried to sell it as more of a job than anything, and so I learned that I you know didn't really have a business. So I went out and I knew I wanted to own another business. I looked at franchises specifically in the home service space, ironically, because uh, here I am, ten almost ten years later, but. I looked at home service, I had a little bit of cash to put to the small investment. But in the process of exploring franchise opportunities, I fell in love with the franchise discovery you know, process. And so I ended up joining a franchise system called Murphy Business and Financial um, at a pretty early, early age. Uh, at the age of 22, I was part of their system. And I was somehow selling businesses in New Jersey. Uh, you know, somehow I, I joke because I, you know, I, I was so so new, but 
I would list businesses. After a bit of time, I started somehow becoming the resale guy in New Jersey. I was selling a lot of franchise resales, existing franchises that the owner wanted to exit. And then one day I realized that all these people inquiring on a specific franchise or specific business for sale, I'd say, hey, look, if this doesn't fit, why not look at a new version of this? And so they would look at that business if they didn't want to buy that retro fitness resale, perhaps they could buy a new retro. And then I learned over time that maybe it wasn't even a new retro, maybe it was just a new business in general. So those lead, those leads really became franchise buyers when they couldn't buy the listing that I was showing. Now, of course, I always tried to sell the listing I showed first, but if they, if they couldn't, I would pivot them. So, you know, I did that for a period of time and then basically realized why wouldn't I do franchise consulting? It's, it's making sense. And through Murphy franchise at that time, you had a membership to a broker network. Uh, so I was able to join that, that broker network. So did that. Um, the franchise consulted for a period of time. I was, became uh, decent at it. Um, and, but realized that I was building the same kind of business. It was very dependent on me. It's a great business being a franchise consultant. Um, but I wanted to really scale something. And so in my, uh, in 2016, identified the desire to do lead generation, partnered with my previous partner and we built up a lead generation company in franchising for franchise consultants. And so I was in that seat from 2016 to 2022. So a multi-million dollar business. It was really running. Uh, I, I was fortunate to learn, uh, you know, how to run a business uh, that could that could run itself. And of course, I was involved in the business, but I was involved in managing people, growing the team, looking for new opportunities, really being the visionary within the organization. And that business really ran on its own pretty well. Um, and so uh, in, in May of 2022, that company was acquired by private equity firm and, you know, great, great opportunity for the business, great opportunity for the firm. That network is continuing to succeed and I'm enjoying watching them continue to grow. Uh, but I knew for me, it was start, time to start the next thing. So I took a little time off. Uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Zink, uh, gave me some advice, which was, you know, hey, I was saying, you know, what do you think, you know, what, what, what do you think I should do? Think about leaving franchise and maybe I do something else. And he gave me the advice, never, never not, leverage, not let me not use a double negative here. Uh, don't, he said it more poetic than me, but basically don't trade what you already know and try to go into another space. You got to leverage what you've already done for almost a decade. And so I took some time to figure out what I would want to do in the space that leveraged my skills, but of course, honored my previous business of, you know, do something new. And after a few weeks uh, of reflection, I identified the desire to be a franchise or at that time, even just in, in, in September, that seemed like a crazy idea, you know, to be a franchisor. But fortunately, I actually met my buddy Aaron Harper here at a springboard event. And um, I had said to him that I'm looking at acquiring a business. I know I want to be in home services. And he said, you know, this is what I'm doing. And he gave me some ideas on, on becoming a franchisor. That was in September. Um, and then just end of the story is realized that I knew how to do franchise development. I've helped either directly or indirectly over a thousand people purchase a franchise business. I love it. I love it so much turning a business person that isn't a business owner into a business owner. And so I knew I wanted to do that and franchising could be the vehicle to do that and be a franchisor. But I had never run a franchisor before. So first thing I did, and listeners, if you're looking at doing a business, it's a great way to, to do it. I set out and found someone that knew how to be a franchisor. And so... Uh, my my uh, colleague, our chief operating officer, and my partner, Zach Nolte, he came into the business having already run a uh, large franchisor in the kitchen uh, remodeling space where he served as president for a very long time. And also he had started kitchen, uh, the kitchen remodeling 
uh, additional business that he was able to build up and sell to a, a platform company. And so he came in saying, you know, I'll run the franchise or you work on running the overall vision and, and the playbook vision and acquiring franchisees and it's a perfect partnership. And then end of the story is I, um, we knew we wanted to be in home services. Zach, myself and our, at that time, uh, uh, our first teammate, uh, Steve, Steve Miller, our franchise development director, we, the three of us, uh, spent a lot of time together looking at businesses. We looked at over a dozen industries. We looked at roofing and siding, and, uh, power washing, uh, you know, roofing and siding and, and windows. And I mean, every basically think of your home, every single arena of the home that you could go into business, uh, in, we looked at and we, a lot of great industries, uh, within home services, which by the way is a $500 billion industry year over year that's growing year over year. Um, but identified that we want to be in restoration. So set on restoration um, and then talk to a lot of businesses in restoration. We you know, talked to a lot of opportunities and finally found the business that we made the acquisition of the franchise in 2000 this year in February. Um, but that backstory, and then I want to get off my intro here, long-winded, but that backstory, have you seen the founder? Have you guys seen that? Oh, of course. Think of like the fanaticness. I know he ended up not being great, but just the fact that he was like obsessive over McDonald's. That was me. I live in New York City. I had found this company in in Northern Virginia. I drove down on a Monday morning. My plan was to drive four and a half hours, visit, and then drive back. At that time, I was talking to so many businesses. Like It was just drive there, drive back, get on the next call. We were just interviewing so many businesses to potentially do this acquisition through. And so I drove down there. I had said to call my girlfriend, I'll be back tonight. Uh, and ended up calling her saying, I, I can't leave. I'm going to stay here for two days because I was absolutely in love with, with what the founder was, was doing. I had never seen a business with so many systems as a non-franchise like, entity. You know, it's just a regular business. They were dominating their market. Well, they not were. We're now dominating that marketplace the day before me were as well. And uh, so I stayed there for a few days. We spent like 120 days working out a deal. And then we made the acquisition in, in February. Incredible, man. Look, super excited for you. Well, let's, I guess let's just jump right into the brand, right? I mean, what's it called and, and why restoration? And then we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the brand... So before I get into the brand, I just on that story... Um, you know, this business was founded in 2009. And I love the story because the founder, who's we're very close, he's like kind of like a brother to me. We're like kindred spirits in some ways. He moved here from Serbia in 2005. Uh, why did he move here? He had a friend that came back from being in the States for the summer as a lifeguard who had some cash to buy shoes and do things in Serbia where they were from. Which in that area, you know, it's it's a it's not the wealthiest country, you know country. And so he saw that friend come here, and he said, "I'm going to come with you next summer." So he did. He came down to the states for a summer to work as a lifeguard. Barely spoke English and just worked as a lifeguard. Went back to Serbia with the cash that he made, was able to give it to his family and you know buy some shoes and you know have a nice life. He came back the next summer. Then he went back, and when he went back that second time to Serbia, the second he landed. He realized this is the last time I come back here. I'm going to go back to America. I'm going to live there. I'm going to build a dream. So he moved here around 2007. He moved here, you know, full time. Uh, instead of being a lifeguard, ended up becoming a security guard in a nightclub. He actually met his now wife, amazing woman Arlene. He met her in the nightclub. After some time, that uh, they ended up getting engaged, and he realized working in a nightclub maybe is not the best place. 
when you want to raise a family or a future family. And so he quit. Uh, he put his two weeks notice in. And in those last two weeks, you know, he's a very much an opportunity. He's an entrepreneur at heart. And so there was a guy that was always in that club three, four nights a week. So he'd have a lot of money. He said, kind of like in the Wolf of Wall Street movie where, uh, whatever his name is, um, uh, Jonah Hill's character says like in the diner with, with, uh, Jordan Belfort, like, what do you do for living? And like, I'll quit. That's what he did. He said, Hey, I just quit here. I don't know what you're doing, but I want to work for you. And the guy's like, I do carpet cleaning and, and restoration. So he started working with that, uh, that colleague who's also from uh, Eastern European. They worked together. He was kind of like a, like a franchisee in the sense that he was working the business because that colleague went back to Serbia. Okay. And he said, look, uh, run, run the business for me and we'll split the profits 50 50. So he was like a friend in the sense like he had these training wheels to learn the business, get to split the profits while the other guy got to go back to his country and, and be able to still run his, his business. And so they did that. Um, that ended up moving on and, and Dragon set out to set his, his name is Dragon, Dragon, D-R-A-N, B-R-A-G-A-N. Uh, he set out to start his first business, which was in 2009. One truck, his wife and him, you know, husband, wife team. She, Arlene was an electrical engineer for the Pentagon. She was more like that strategy behind the, the scenes. After a couple of years, she ended up leaving the Pentagon job to raise their daughter and uh, really kind of, they worked together on the vision of, of this business. Um, She's a realtor on, uh, on the side doing really well. And so I'm uh, kind of interested with that carpet cleaning. So we're looking for similar people that want to be husbands, especially those husband life teams. I want to build an empire together. This went from one truck to a, you know, a fleet of trucks. And it's, it's, it's really is something to see. It's an empire in uh, the Northern Virginia area, DC. That's uh, an incredible story. Um, Dan, I know you looked at a lot of businesses and just for, you know, the listeners, a lot of them may be potential you know, fr- franchisees or future business owners, entrepreneurs. Can you talk just a little bit about like what it was about this industry versus siding or roofing or, you know, and, and kind of what sets, um, you know, Voda aside um, and, and a little bit, you know, the, about the mission of Voda and what your hopes are. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for asking me the, the question. It's, you know, we looked at a lot of industries, as I mentioned, and we started to have what we, we have as a playbook, right? And we knew what we wanted in a business. And it was a specific list. For me and our team, it was a need, not a want. So something that people needed to do, not when they want to do it. It's not discussion. They have to do it. Uh, we wanted something that was more of a service, not a product-intensive business. Like I have been pretty close on garage uh, door business where you install beautiful new garage doors. It's a great business, but I didn't like the fact that it was so uh, material heavy. We wanted something that was more of a service. If you think about restoration, you're sucking water out with some equipment and then you're cleaning the carpets. It's not an equipment intensive business like your business is not either, right? With the power washing. So we wanted something that wasn't, you know, uh, material intensive. We wanted to be in an industry that was growing. A great book I read once was Enterprise Value. Talks about how to build a business that'll scale. And one of the number one principles of that book is you want to be in an industry that's in favor with institutional investors. doesn't mean you have to ever sell. It means that that business is on the uprise. Institutional investors like it. And so I looked at a new home services, private equity outside of franchise, and private equity loves home service. They also love it in franchise, of course. I knew that uh, restoration as an industry, there's a lot of consolidation going on. It's a $210 billion industry, but it's actually a misspeak of the fact of the, of the stat, everyone says 210 billion. 
It's actually a $290 billion industry. And uh, 210 of that is, is, um, is the commercial component. And people don't realize how much more is the residential. It's almost a $300 billion industry, which I mentioned to you, 50, uh, 500 billion is home services. So it's a massive amount of the amount of the home services sector. It's growing 5% year over year. Water mitigation specifically is a $17 billion industry. It's a lot of profit in the water mitigation. That's an area we're focusing on because it's very easy service to do compared to the reconstruction of the, of the, uh, the home. So when we go in and we do that too, but we go and focus on sucking out water as much as possible in a basement. So that's a $17 billion industry. Without boring you with the details, carpet cleaning is a $6.6 billion industry growing as well. And so, um, we, we just knew that it was a need, not a want. Insurance pays it. You know, third party pay. Uh, it's easy to open about 148 to 200, just under 200,000 to get in. Um, you know, it's, it's an industry that's growing. And listen, is it the sexiest business? No. Do you think I was going to be in restoration? I never would have thought that. I never would have thought I'd be in this space. I'm, uh, candidly, I, I, I live in New York City. I own a condo, but I rent out. I, I rent an apartment. I don't, I don't have to deal with this service. I don't do this service. I don't plan to do this service. I, I cleaned a carpet once. I enjoyed it. Not that I feel better than it or anything like that. It's just not my skill set. And so I don't plan to clean another carpet. And I don't expect our future franchisees to do that either. So we like the fact that it could be like a managed manager space. Um, I can go on and on about other reasons. But the biggest thing that we saw, Aaron, was restoration is similar to... <laughs> Kind of like being a real estate agent. When you start out, you got to build a pipeline and then it takes some time for uh, a transaction to happen, right? It takes a, it's a little bit longer sales cycle. When you get in restoration, the margins are phenomenal, but it takes time to get business. You got to build up some relationships with property managers and plumbers and insurance agents. They got to then send you business and then you have to then get paid by insurance. And so we wanted to create a predictable way for franchisees to build up revenue immediately. And that's what the carpet cleaning does. We're able to clean carpets and floors. Not only does that build predictable revenue, but it also allows us, it's a service that gets in the door and builds trust. Not some random service, the service that relates to restoration. We clean your carpets, you call us when they get wet. Your carpets are wet, we restore them, and then we clean them, right? And so the, the way to get in with the homeowner and the business, because we're about, you know, it's a residential and commercial business, um, we're able to get into both through the carpet and floor while we build up the restoration. Some franchisees are going to find themselves focusing more and more on one or the other. That's okay. The corporate business, it's pretty split on the two. We're at corporate trying to continually grow the restoration side because of the margins. But you know, it's a great place to start with cleaning. We're actually franchising first and only cleaning the restoration business. Yeah, I really like that. And I think you know this. My background, my first job in franchising was carpet cleaning. I worked for the biggest um, carpet cleaning franchise out there. So carpet cleaning like is in my DNA. So I know it's a good business. It's repeat, which I really like. Um, there's consistency to it. Um, it's sticky. People need to get their carpets cleaned. It's a health thing. I, it is a need, not a want. Just for anyone who's interested in this space, the cleaning, restoration, carpet cleaning space, it's, it's a good business. It really is. Um, what I'd love to hear you talk about is kind of um, you, you know the, the parent company, so to speak, to, to Voda. Um, you, you built Franchise Playbook you know, in, in the hope and, and plan of, of growing this, this multi-brand platform, but doing it in a way that is a little bit different than like, you know, people who buy brands that have been around for 10, 15 years, have 15, 20, 25 units, 100 units, 
and 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 talk about a, li- a little bit about like your team. Uh, I know you mentioned Zach, and I, I I know you guys are killing it, but like, who else is on your team? What are you doing for franchisees, and what's the long term vision of Franchise Playbook? Sure, absolutely. You're a great interviewer, Aaron. I like these questions. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm writing them down so I don't forget anything. I, I just want to touch on the, the carpet and restoration industry for one more moment. The other thing was was the labor. So we wanted something that was not a skilled, uh, not a, a license. I call it licensed labor, right? So if you think about like home services, it's always going to be a labor intensive business. It's a people business. If you don't want to manage and lead people, don't get in this business. Right, you're better off in a brick and mortar, which has its positives and its negatives, as does home services. I look at home services when it comes to labor as kind of tier, right? And so, if you think about like at the highest tier, the hardest tier is plumbing and HVAC, right? You need a license. It's hard. It takes time. You got to learn it. There's only a certain pool of people that are skilled at that. And if you hire someone, it's going to take a very long time. So you got to you got to dip in that pond of people that's restrictive. Then you got another step above that, which is like, you know. Tree care, right? Tree care is a great business, but that's another one where like it's something that you can teach it, but there's a little bit of skill to it. Ha- kitchen remodeling is even above that in the challenge, right? Can you can teach anyone, but it takes some time to learn and to really do it. So like there's buckets of home service labor. There's labor that's really skilled. There's labor that anyone can learn, but will take a little time. And then on the furthest end, like I'd say landscaping is the easiest, right? Like you know, when I think about a landscaping, anybody can push a, a, a lawnmower, right? You just bring them in higher amount of smile. I put the cleaning and restoration kind of in that. The cleaning, I put in like that same landscaping. Anyone with a great attitude can learn how to clean floors. It's not hard. Uh, we can teach them. Um, and the restoration, while it sounds hard, it's really not insanely hard to learn. So we like the fact that you can go to a Dunkin' Donuts, love the way that the, the register person greets you and say, hey, why don't I bring you into my company? Which in my previous business, we had lots of uh, callers, cold callers. And that was my strategy. I hired my waitress and my bartender and my haircut person. And I said, come join this culture. And you'll, you'll love it. And so we teach about adult red culture. But that was another thing we had liked about cleaning and, and restoration. As far as the, um, the, the, the playbook. So when I set out to do this business, there was something I had in my mind that's very clear. Um, I don't ever want to say never because I don't want to, you know, this changes and I lied or something like that. But at the current moment of my life, um, when I sold my previous business, it was an amazing feeling, but I also woke up without any purpose. And I've come to learn that I know how to build businesses that run pretty well without me in the day-to-day. And so for me, like my vision and passion, or my passion is helping people build up their dream. Our, our, our vision at, uh, our mission at Franchise Playbook is to empower entrepreneurs to think bigger. And like, so for me, Franchise Playbook is a vehicle to do that. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't want to keep doing that for the rest of my life. And so I set out with a very intentional way of building this business. I'm fortunate that I've done okay in my life so far to pay the bills. And now it's about building something that really makes an impact. And so I wanted to set something up that could be a legacy. And I wanted to set something up. I don't have children yet, but I wanted something that I could like grow. That could be an empire that could pass on. It could be a family affair. A bad example in some ways, but I love the show Succession. I freaking love how they all work together. I know they don't like get along great and it gets pretty bad toward the end. But the vision of that, how it's a family affair. I have friends like the Fishmans. I love the way that they, you know, obviously you guys know them. Not all of our listeners would, but I love the way they travel together. And like I envision this this future for myself where I have kids in their 20s and 30s that are with me and we're traveling and we're doing a business. 
Will it happen? I don't know, but that's my goal. So I set out to build a business that could be like enduring. And so Playbook really is a, is a holding company. It's a platform that we're going to have multiple franchise brands within it. Now, what's important to understand is when I decided to build a platform, there was two ways to go about it. There was start with a brand, don't tell anyone about your plan, and then later on, you latch on another, right? The negative to that is I felt like if we do that later on, when I go to start another brand, my franchisees are going to say, hey, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? I thought you were doing this. Why are you starting something else? And I felt like that wasn't, it didn't line up with my, my integrity. Whereas if I started with, hey, if you buy into this, this is the plan, this is where we want to go, not tomorrow. Rome wasn't built in a day, but this is the vision to have 10 brands, right? People are buying into that vision from day one. I, they, they know what we're doing and what my intentions are. Now, the goal is that these brands complement each other. We're not, there's a lot of great platforms out there. We have some ideas that can't really get into the IP, but we have some ideas on why we're very different in, as a thesis and as a brand or, or as a strategy, as a holding company. But we want to build businesses that complement each other. We want a franchisee to say, wow, they have plumbing franchise. You know what? I'm going to pick up that brand now that I'm doing great as a restoration owner. Plumbing is my number one lead source. Why don't I own the lead source and be a multi-brand franchisee? Right. So the goal was to build this platform. But I'm always clear with people that I wanted to be intentional with the, what our vision is. With that said, we're bought in on Voda. We're not doing anything but Voda for until I feel confident that it's running at its fullest capacity and we're just adding people and scaling. We have it well documented. I'm fortunate to have some great, like you, Aaron, some great... Uh, seasoned people behind me that are able to provide me with guidance and mentorship and how to really strategize the longer-term vision. Um, but that was the goal of Playbook. And uh, But when I say I bought it, I mean, I just wrapped my car in, in Voda, you know, branding. So I'm driving around in what I call the Voda mobile. So if you talk about being bought in, that's I want franchisees that are bought in. And so I feel like I can't ask that if I'm not. So we're doing that there. Um, I think your other question was about team, but any, any clarifying on playbook? Uh, so the only thing I just want, so just for the audience to know, like franchise playbook, like just franchise playbook, you know, I've been in franchising a while. I see different platform brands. I'm, as you, you guys know, really plugged into the community. And I just want to give like a, a, you know, kind of a plug for franchise playbook in general. Like I personally have had experience coming in into brands that needed a turnaround essentially. So buying someone else's, you know, I had to fix it. Right. And so one of the things that we've really connected on you and me, Dan, is how do we do it right from the start when, without having to redo things and from franchise playbook, like you guys are incubating brands um, from scratch it's not necessarily from scratch because you have all this industry experience behind it, but there aren't any franchisees yet. And I think it's important for people who listen to know how valuable that is. Um, because I think uh, one could think, well, there's no franchisees yet. So how do I know it's going to work? Whereas like, I'm just speaking from personal experience and you guys know with, with my brand, I'm doing the same thing. And, and the immense benefits to be able to say, Hey, we're going to become the biggest cleaning and restoration franchise in the world, or we're going to become the biggest power washing franchise in the world. And then we're going to do it again with another brand. And then guess what franchisees who you can also have access to that other brand that allows you to build generational wealth. And the mission that you guys have with Franchise Playbook 
is to do that from the start. And it's all for the benefit of your franchisees. And so, you know, you guys have talked about this on this podcast. Other people have talked about it. You always want to find, you know, what's the Orange Theory fitness before it becomes the Orange Theory fitness. And if you can bring a level of sophistication and, and, you know, what I call intellectual capital, which you guys have at Franchise Playbook and apply it to a relatively simple business model and give people a path to do that. And they can grab the, you know, some of the best territory in the country before it's a two or 300 unit system and it's sold out. I just want to talk about, I just kind of wanted to address like the value in that just so that people who aren't aware of the franchising space or don't know what a platform company is. And then this is kind of like really ethereal for them just to like really boil it down as to like the value in what you're doing at Franchise Playbook and at Voda. Well, yeah, very well said, Aaron. And you know, it's interesting like for our listeners because people come into your life and like you, you know they're meant to be there. And like I have history, I think you guys too, and there's a reason we're friends, all three of us, of, of maintaining pretty long-standing relationships. Like my best friends have been my friends in like six. And Christian, I know that about you. And Aaron, I, I don't know, but I assume that about you. So, um, you know, and, and like being able to have this little tribe Right, where we're able to to talk through, like you know, Aaron and I have dodged bullets together, right? Because he's known things that, hey, don't do that in your FDD, because this is what's going to happen. And same for me, and same with Zach on our leadership team, and same with the people on Aaron's team. And Christian's probably one of the most knowledgeable consultants I've ever met. He knows everything, not just about the brand. He just really keeps himself it's a little complimentary for you, Christian. You keep yourself accustomed to like investing trends, real estate trends, and finance, and so. But with, with Playbook, like really what it was, was the goal of Playbook, we're an incubator of dynamic franchise brands. We create, own, and operate franchise brands. Now, what that means is, one, we're a collection of the brightest minds in franchising. Zach Nolte, my, our culture at this company is, is guys and gals that have done something substantial in their career, but not their thing. My previous business, I'm very proud of it. I was the mentee. And it was a great experience. I have nothing but gratitude for it. But it was time for me to do my thing, to be the, the my 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 company. And there's you know nothing wrong with wanting that. Uh, Zach, same thing. He built the company that he was able to exit. He built another company we served as president. He really wanted to, there was a lot of things in those ten years, and he wanted to maybe improve. And it's a great system. But what he couldn't do is you can't change fundamental systematic. Uh, part of your business once you have franchises. They have to all adopt it. There's a process to it. And so when Zach came on, I said, Zach, look, go go home, write down everything you would have done differently. Write down everything you would have changed. He already had it. <laughs> he had that written down in a notepad for years. But come into this and let's let's start from day one with everything done. Probably same with with Christian, our, our CMO. And so what's a little bit different than us than other platforms is we're not acquiring brands that we inherit the positives and negatives off. We're not inheriting any mistakes. Now, I'm not saying we won't make mistakes here and there. We're not inheriting it. We're starting from zero, from one unit, and we're able to apply our playbook process. Now, what I have to explain is while we're a new franchise, we're not a new franchise one. Meaning, yes, this business is new. We don't have any franchisees, but our founder has been doing it since 2009. I'd argue it was more about carpet cleaning than a vast majority of America, right? And restoration. Um, our COO, I just told you, is back. Our CMO, Christian Bencourt, I'm honored to have on our team. He came from Anytime Fitness, as well as they were the boxing. And he takes that large brand understanding in the fitness space, which if you think about fitness, fitness is a heavily 
uh, lead generation focused business. You have to get customers in. You're competing with 10 gyms for a small subset of people. I actually forget the stat, but like it's only like 20% of the population that religiously works out goes to a gym. 10 gyms or 20 gyms that have to compete. So it's a big sales funnel driven business. I used to look, uh, I've always looked up to exponential fitness because I knew that, you know, Anthony Geisler, the CEO, has said before, I know how to build sales and marketing machines and we apply that to fitness. And so we wanted to bring in Christian because he knew how to do lead gen, right? And then he had had the mobile home services space uh, background as well, where he's able to kind of balance both. And he has a friend that background as well. He's highly sought after by some episodes. So anyway, he came in and really like with him, it was the same thing. Hey, when we brand this thing, I want you to think about who would you have used as a branding agency for the past 10 years? And he had his research. So we didn't research for a week. We researched for 10 years just somewhere else. And he came in with that research, right? And so, you know, with, with Christian, my biggest thing with him was as we interviewed him, Zach was the person that, you know, that recruited uh, Christian. But I had said to Christian, look, we're not a restoration company. We're not a cleaning company. Playbook is not a home services company. We're a lead generation company that sells this service. And when we launch brands, we're a lead generation company that happens to sell right now restoration and cleaning. And so I want a Christian company because my background is lead generation. It's probably my main arsenal of skill. And I wanted us to heavily focus on how do we help these franchisees' phones ring. So we focus on lead gen through your Christian and myself. Um, and so we, we look at it like, you know, Lead generation, make the phones ring. We take that off the plate of the franchisee. And then we have a whole... I get into the, the business itself. But that's like the ethos of, of what we're doing. Um, and I, I want to tell you about the brand, but I don't want to dominate this conversation. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. There's a couple of things I wanted to touch on that I didn't want to gloss over because it is a huge deal. First and foremost, like Aaron had mentioned, not every emerging franchisor is created equal because the person that they had a really successful business model and then they decided to franchise it, awesome. But now they have to learn franchising. It's a whole new ballgame. How do I find franchisees? How do I support franchisees? So that person... And Godspeed, wish them well. But that person is a lot different from people that come from franchising, that know franchising, that are, it just happens to be a brand new business, but they know franchising, they know how to grow it. So it's those two emerging franchisors are not created equal. And so that's why it's like, yeah, Voda is a new, is a new franchisor, but you have, if you factor in the, the years of experience of Dan, Zach Nolte, Christian, and, and everyone else you have on your team, you're not starting from scratch, really. You have all these dozens and dozens of years of franchising experience, which is... So that's it's important to, to note that. And another thing I wanted to touch on too is, I took a note here. You know, you said it's a $290 billion industry at a 5% year-over-year growth rate. Now, 5% may or may not sound like a lot of uh, a large growth rate to some people, but when you're dealing with large numbers like that, 290 billion. I punched that into my calculator and unless I did the math wrong, but that's $14.5 billion a year of new business in that space that's coming on year over year. So you're not competing for a fixed pie. You're competing for a growing pie. There's growing opportunities, growing business. So I, I, think, that's, I think that's absolutely huge. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to make sure I touched on that because that's, 
that's a really important thing to consider because you want to be in a winning industry and in a growing industry, but also with a growing brand and a great franchise opportunity. So let's let's dive into that a little bit, Dan. Let's talk about the brand itself, right? And 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 the ins and outs of it. So we know what the brand does, but let's let's touch a little bit more on the support system. So you mentioned that you guys as the franchisor, you see it as your responsibility to get the phones to ring for the franchisees, which is huge because that's one of the number one questions people have. Where am I going to get my customers? So can you walk us through what that looks like and maybe some of your other support systems? Because I think when people are buying into a franchise system, that's what they want to know is being provided. Just to add to that, just real quick, I know you had mentioned uh, Christian's experience in, in lead gen and, and what he had done. But I think um, it's important for the audience to also know that like lead generation is like literally your superpower. So, um, so I think talking about you know just to add to what what Christian um, is talking about. Yeah, well, these are great great questions and, and tough points. Um, happy to address them. I actually wrote myself a little notepad. You're going to go through each one quickly. So, uh, Christian, to your point, like two hundred ten billion, two hundred ninety billion. The, the basically the overall idea is that it's not being reported properly because some people don't claim it and there's commercial, there's residential. Anything in the 200, anything billion is a lot, right? And, you know, just to put it in perspective, and I'll give credit to Michael Bud because he said it. How many pizza places do you see in your neighborhood? A lot of pizza places, a lot of pizza businesses. There's so many franchisors of pizza. You know why? Because it's a $50 billion industry. That's a quarter, though, of restoration, Right. And so restoration is a massive industry, of course, with lots of businesses. When I got into this space, a lot of people said to me, well, there's a lot of franchisors in that space. And my answer was, yes, that's great. Absolutely. Even if the franchisor system wide revenue is $1 billion, which is a great milestone for a large organization such as, you know, Paul Davis or Surfpro, which are great companies. And I highly recommend them for people that want to get into a, you know, a different, uh, not an emerging brand. We'll get to the pros and cons of emerging versus not in a moment, but. Billion dollars is, I don't know the percentage, but it's, you know, basis points of a percent of a $200 billion space. And so I had said, like, look, we're not attacking those businesses are great. Serve Pro, go to Serve Pro over us. That's fine. We're going in, though, to disrupt the fragmented industry. We're going in to go after the, the mom and no offense to the mom and pops here, but the mom and pops that are unsophisticated a lot of times. They're not as organized. They're not showing up properly. They're not being, you know, you, I mean, you've had it there and you said it in your house. You have, you have a standard for what you want in your home service. And our vision is to raise that bar and elevate that standard, provide a new level of clean. And so like for us, it's, it's about disrupting a market of, of fragmentation. And I want to just explain something. What Aaron's doing at Rolling Sides is the exact same thing I educate people on when I'm talking about any business. Dunkin' Donuts took a fragmented industry, which is coffee. Yes, Starbucks did it too, but they're not franchise. Dunkin' Donuts took a fragmented industry and said, let's provide a consistent experience on every corner of America. And when you go to Dunkin' Donuts, maybe you like the coffee, maybe you don't, but you know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get at Starbucks. We as human beings, we crave consistency and we crave certainty. And so Dunkin' Donuts does that with coffee. Massage Envy blew up because they took a fragmented industry and they consolidated it to a consistent experience. They said, hey, if we could provide a massage in every corner of America, would people go? I know I would. You used to have to go to a really expensive massage or like a place that you didn't know what you were going to get. Now you can go to massage every, and of course, others have come since. But like that was a consolidation of a fragmented industry and made it consistent. I can go on and on. Orange Theory with Boutique Fitness, Club Pilates with Pilates. But they said, hey, Pilates doesn't have to be just in New York City and Atlanta. It could be across the nation. If it's on every strip, people will go. And they proved that that was true. Serving power with painting, soon to be rolling sides with power washing. 
and vote it with cleaning and restoration. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is if you want to be in restoration, a lot of those big iconic brands like in space are already the prime territories are sold. Right. And I told you, it doesn't matter if there's, they're there because we're not competing with them. We're competing with the whole other side of the business, which is the mom and pops that are unsophisticated and unorganized. So there's room for plenty. And so what I can say about the restoration space on, on that topic, and I'll move on, is um, you're, you're, you're going into an industry where the bar is so low that all you have to do is raise it a bit. Now, we want to raise it to here. All you have to do is raise it a bit, and you're going to beat out your competition. Um, and, you know, to that point, like, you know, our, our ethos at Playbook is to be a home of the brightest minds in franchising. So, like, to the no franchisee thing, like, we actually are in the process. We're about to sign on, on Monday. We're bringing in a corporate restoration. Someone who lives and breathes restoration. He's been in the space since, you know, I don't know, since he was a tadpole or a kid. You know, he's been doing restoration on the corporate side as a franchisor. So we also know how to get someone out in the field and make sure we're providing that support in, in the field. Um, you had asked me about the brand. So I'll, I'll tell you about that for, for a moment. Um, I went into this with, you know, the belief that if we build the infrastructure from day one properly, we'll be able to grow exponentially and be able to support that growth. And so, you know, I took my capital and, and said, look, let's just, let's do this right. Let's do it once. Let's do it right. Let's get the right people. And so from a branding perspective, what we did was we partnered with a branding agency that's nationally recognized and They've worked with companies like Home Depot, Target, Buffalo Wild Wings. And frankly, they almost didn't work with us because we're not a Fortune 500 company like their normal customer base. Thankfully, Christian speaks at many uh, marketing panels such as South by Southwest. He's won some awards. He was able to finagle his way in. But I, basically, I, guys, listen, I'm, I have a track record. It's a small company, but here's where we're going. And we were able to get accepted to work with them because you know they trusted that we would be... you know level that they needed. And so we invested into branding the company. And what they did at the company was they utilized market uh, demographic and psychographic data to identify what would stand out in the minds and hearts of the average consumer that we're looking to target. We know who our audience is. For the cleaning, it's a high-end home. Aaron, you're a Christian. You're our target audience. We're going for that high-end home. And on the restoration space, it's much broader. But we knew that the average homeowner, remember the millennials, like the youngest millennial is like 30, 30, 29, maybe. You know, I think we still have a habit of being like millennials are young. They're not. <laughs> They're retiring, some of them. <laughs> so like the average homeowner is a millennial, right? And the average homeowner is going to soon be a Gen Z. I'm not thinking about today. I'm thinking about the future. And so we wanted to create a brand that would stand out in the hearts and minds of the average consumer, the average business owner, which are people in our age bracket. And so Voda, from a branding standpoint, really does. I, I don't have the ability to show the truck, but the truck, if it rolls down your neighborhood, the idea behind it is what the hell is Voda? <laughs> That's what we did intentionally. We were intentional with that name and with the branding where what people don't realize about branding is you want to make people go, what is that? And look at it. And that's what we did with these disruptive trucks um, from a branding branding standpoint. And just for fun, Voda, I wanted to pay home we wanted to pay homage homage to uh, our, our our founder. Was, there's no Voda without our founder. And coming from Serbia and building this American dream, Voda actually means water. So in Serbian. And so basically, like to me, water is our friend and water is our foe. You need water to live. You swim in water. We go to the beach with our kids in water. It's amazing. So we use it pure. It's clean. But it's our foe. It can kill you. Hurricanes in a fledged basement. It's an unnecessary, you know, thing to deal with. Right. And so we love the idea that water represents both 
a good and bad thing, a clean home and saving them from the water. And so that's what vote is all about. Christian, you had, you had asked about kind of what we're doing for, for franchisees. So basically, Aaron and I have great conversations around this. Every person who buys a business has the same pattern of thought, right? How much money can I make? That's a thought. How am I going to get customers? That's what that you should worry about. How am I going to get customers? And then these questions are going to be, how does the franchise help me, right? So first it's, how do, how do I get customers? How am I going to hire people? How am I going to stand out in my marketplace? Whatever that business is, what's my unique selling proposition or my reason to believe RTVs and marketing? So how am I going to get customers? How am I going to stand out? And, and how am I going to get employees? So just to walk you through that briefly, the way we attract customers, as I mentioned, we have our own done-for-you marketing lead generation process. It's a lead generation that we take off the plate of the franchisee. We don't want them worrying about that. Now, I always preface, these are tools in a toolbox. The franchisee has to take the wrench and turn it. They have to hammer the, the nail. They're going to use the tools. But we do the lead generation component internally. Secondarily, we think about the phone ringing. I don't know about you guys, but if I was responsible for answering leads as they come in now, I would be doing a bad job because I'm locked in on Zoom for most of the day doing what I need to do. We feel the same way for the franchisee, whether they're meeting with the property manager, we want them focused on that because that's going to build up the business. Or if they're um, out to dinner with their wife, like they, they shouldn't be worried about answering that first call. So we have a 24-7 call center that answers the phone literally 24-7 within seconds. They're trained to answer the phone, qualify the lead, book the job, schedule it. You wake up in the morning and those jobs are scheduled. So when it comes to how do I get the customers and, and answer them, we handle that. Then it comes down to how do I get people. Now, we can't hire four franchisees due to labor laws and joint employer. What we can do is provide true recommendations. So we give them templates on how to hire, what to, what to put in the job ad, and what to pay. We look at the market and what they should be paying. We suggest it. You know, both suggestions and strong suggestions. And then we help them through our, uh, we call NFT new franchisee training, where they come out to our facility, they train for a week hands on with our operations team. And then ongoing through a learning management system, which we call Playbook University. Well, we have Playbook University, which is broad, like business 101, bookkeeping. We have Playbooks, which takes the bookkeeping off their hands. Um, now, granted, these are not companies of ours. Like we wanted to really, outsource people that are the best in the world each thing. But like Playbooks is a pro program we've developed where we utilize a partner who's able to do the bookkeeping for them. We we do enforce that. We, we, we tell people that we're going to do that for them. And it's a benefit. Nobody wants to do books. You don't want to do books. And so we help them by, by doing that. But or they have an option at one point, but we do it for them at least in the beginning. And so we have the bookkeeping and we have you know all these different areas. But when it comes to hiring, we're able to give strong suggestions. And then secondarily, we have a partner through our talent scout program where we can actually do that third party. They can actually do recruiting for them and actually help find people to do the labor. But remember, it's all about retention. And so what we need is people that have the ability to manage people and lead people because we can get them in the door or help get them in the door sometimes, but they got to be able to retain the team and manage them. And then the last thing I'll say is... Um, you know, it's like, how do I get my leads? How do I get, you know, my customers? How do I hire people? How many stand out in the market? And then another thing is like, how am I going to track all this? Like, how am I going to analyze the data? And so in my previous company, I had set out to have our KPIs, key performance indicators really dialed in. And 
it was always a challenge. I couldn't find a provider that could really give me the robust dashboards that I wanted. Because there's a saying in business, you can't manage what you don't measure. And so what we did was we looked at the marketplace. We couldn't find the data analytics to the level that we wanted. And fortunately, uh, a very close friend of mine is an ex-Google data scientist uh, with Google. And he owns a, a very successful data analytics company. And so he was able to work with us and we built that internally called Scoreboard, which is our data analytics platform. And so really, like we put a heavy investment into all of our technology, especially around you know, booking jobs. We have some AI related to scanning homes and estimating homes. We have our scoreboard tool. And you know, my whole team, not to use age, but like coincidentally, we hire all ages just to be clear. But for whatever reason, I've got a very currently a very young, forward-thinking team. All of us are extremely tech savvy. And so we prioritize putting technology at the forefront of this business to really help ourselves stand out in the, in the marketplace. That's great. So Dan, uh, for Voda, where can, where can people find you? If people are interested in Voda, um, the best place to go is our website, which is My Voda Franchise. So My, M-Y, Voda, V-O-B-A, not T, B, Franchise, MyVotaFranchise.com. You fill out the form and I haven't touched on him, but really quick, Steve Miller, our director, uh, franchise development director and myself, we're working hand in hand with, with that. Steve's been training on franchise development since September. Uh, he's actually been fortunate to get some lessons from, from Aaron. And, uh, he, I've never seen anyone more committed to franchise development. He, he started in September. Steve was a collegiate athlete in football. So I think his competitiveness made him really want to learn and watch and learn the game of business of franchise development. And then he's actually pretty close to getting CFE. And so if you reach out, Steve will give you a call. We're not pushing here. We have a pretty defined process. We're looking for people though that really fit our mold too. So just keep in mind, if you go into our process, it's a mutual interview because as an emerging brand, same with you, Aaron, we have to be really picky with who we bring in because we, we're only going to be successful if the, when the first 15 people succeed. And so we're looking for people. And this is the last thing I'll say. We, we're looking for people. Well, let me tell you who we're not looking for. We're not looking for people that want to buy a business and do nothing. I don't understand you. You know, you and I won't connect. So let's just stay away. <laughs> Meaning like we want people that want to grow, right? We're not saying you have to work in the business all day long. We usually recommend if you have a GM, we'll teach you uh, recommendations on to have them on an equity structure, et cetera. But we want people that want to build a business. Um, we don't want people that um, want to be just another number. And so if you want to join a brand where you're just another number and there's a tremendous amount of data and et cetera, there's pros and cons to that. That's not for us. We're looking for people who want to get an emerging brand, get it on the ground level, scoop up prime territory, have unfeathered access to the executive leadership team for now. It's not going to always be like that. Just candidly, we can't. But we're looking for people that really want to be early in. And 10 years from now, when we're X number of revenue system, they were early in. And so we're looking for people that have that they want to own their own business. They want the help and guidance. They're going to get a tremendous amount of support for everything I'm saying, but they're still a bit tad entrepreneurial where they want to really, they really want to jump into something and be part of it from day one. Awesome. This sounds great. I've really enjoyed being an interviewer. I know I've been on the, uh, the interviewee side on this podcast. And so I'm uh, super psyched I got to come on here with you guys. So thanks for having me and uh, giving me the opportunity to interview you, Dan. Well, maybe it's a plug or teaser for our uh, our. Uh, should we should we announce the name of our, what we're doing soon, Aaron? Should we use this as a forum or another time? Sure, we can. Sure. Well, for anyone listening, 
Franchise Founders Podcast, Christian and I will continue to build its our focus and the franchise side. But Aaron and I have so many conversations around home services that we decided, why don't we just start recording these conversations and putting them out for people specifically in home services? And so um, I, I forget the exact name. Uh, I don't want to butcher it, Aaron. You want to say it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, a, sex, a sexy uh, home service podcast. We're, we're trying to talk about how we can make home service businesses sexy. Um, because really when you look at the margins and you look at the numbers and you look at the need-based elements of it, like that's sexy. But people think like, oh, I need a McDonald's or, oh, I need a, you know, I need a med spa. And it's like, when you look at the med spa margins, it's like, yeah, it's a sexy business. You're, you're doing med spa stuff, but like you're maybe 14% lucky to do 14% margins on it. When you look at home services, you're 30% plus, right? So that's sexy from a business standpoint. And that's why so many people like Dan and myself, like a lot of white collar people, private equity companies like are coming in and really elevating the space. And so Dan and I want to have discussions around that, bring on uh, people who run sexy home service businesses, uh, franchisors who who are making home service businesses sexy franchises. And so we're going to kind of do a play on uh, on that, and I'm really excited to to start talking about the stuff I love most. Yeah, I know you're jumping now, but I'll just say, like, you know, just something to think about in history. McDonald's made that sexy. You know, there was a period in history where owning a med spa as men in the 50s or 60s, I people would say, "What? You own a med spa? That's not cool. That's not manly." Facials and, and massages, right? But over time, history evolved, and people became more, you know, forward thinking. And I think it's the same with home services. I don't know what's not sexy about making the home spotless and, and clean or making. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I watch your power washing videos and it looks, you know, cool to me. I don't know what's not cool about that. Ugly businesses. What is sexy is that they they are they're, they're good business models that you can run yeah. and then spend your time uh, with your family. But well, thank you guys for for the time. Yeah, love it, man. Thanks for coming on. And yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day, is the opportunity sexy? Is do you want a sexy opportunity? Or do you want something that looks sexy to the consumer or to people at a cocktail party? I want something that's a sexy opportunity. I think most of the people listening to the podcast probably do. So thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Aaron, thanks so much for co-hosting with me. And uh, Dan, thanks for telling us about your awesome business and the huge vision you guys are that you guys have for Franchise Playbook. Uh, thank you. I could talk about it all day. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.